Welcome everybody. We're live from Harvester Technical College in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. My name is Aidan Laudia and my co-hosts today are Aidan, Ryan and Jackson. With our special guest, Dan, who has had gambling problems in the past. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Aidan. Thanks for having me. Dan, I've heard you were a previous gambler in your life. Do you mind talking about that and just what really got you into how it started and all that? Uh, Yep. Uh, It started for me at 16. So I wanted to feel part of my cricket club uh, gambling fun day, if you like. And I would take uh, 25 of my $30 that I earned um, working at a sports store on the Friday night and putting into the gambling fund on the, on the Saturday. So I knew nothing about gambling, but just wanted to feel part of the cricket team betting on the spring carnival. And yeah, just wanted to be a part of it. And that's that was my introduction to gambling. Yeah, so it was more just like a social thing. Just everyone else was doing it at the time. So I thought you might as well jump on. Exactly. And not, everything, not everyone was doing it when you look back now, but for the group of friends that I was hanging around and my mates that, in the cricket club, absolutely. I just wanted to feel part of it, absolutely. Yeah, there's just like certain different groups of people you're just hanging out with and they all stood doing that and then you just sort of went on with it and then, yeah. Yeah, it grew from there. So then I received, I would get some money from playing sport, especially football. Um, I wasn't good enough to play at a higher level, uh, but that was sort of spending money for me. So then it became me gambling on my own. So uh, binge gambling and binge drinking went hand in hand. Yeah, so it's like just after all the games that if you won, you'd probably go drinking, gambling and all that. It uh, didn't matter whether we won. It was just became such a routine with the group of friends that I hung out that we would do it, win, lose, draw, didn't matter. So yeah. we'd find somewhere to go and uh, gamble. So um, like what were you betting on and why you were betting on it? Uh, early days, it was just all horse racing. So trots, uh, horse racing and probably some well, towards the end uh, uh, dogs as well. But... As the years grew and obviously phones became accessible and the internet became more accessible for me. So you thought talking about me starting my gambling career in the late 80s, um, uh, sports betting became a massive part of my problem for mm. sure. Yeah. Yep. So AFL and NBA basketball and NFL were yep. my three mm-hmm. uh, bad moments, if you like. Yep. But as I suppose, as it sort of got on to more online stuff, it probably yep. would have gotten much worse. Yeah, did definitely, and I would talk about that often. That if I had have had that access when I was younger, I think it probably would have come to a head a lot quicker because I would have blown all my money a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the access is just when I stopped playing football at, at an older, like that mid thirties, um, I just had so much time, and it was just I was working, putting it online, um, and any time you can do it. It's just so. like you sort of had nothing else to do, so that was the only thing you could do really. Yeah, oh, look, it's, it's a choice. You make a choice. Like, um, I should have been spending it with my family and my friends and doing things for uh, things that are important, but always found an excuse to gamble. That's yeah. probably my biggest mistake. Um, how does it affect you today? Uh, other than looking back about how much money I lost and what I could have, um, it's also, yeah, you can have regrets. So the biggest issue I had was looking back and I think all addictive personalities have that so you look back at what if if I had to stop gambling then if I had to done this if I had done that and it took me ages to do that well there's nothing I can do about yesterday I was a worse version of myself can't fix it all I can do is have a good day today and tomorrow and then it'll become a week and part of that recovery is sitting here today and talking about my story unfortunately it's one of those things where all that's in the past you just got to look back at it and think what can i do differently next time and like you'll probably think about it if i didn't do that what would be the situation now but it's like sometimes it's just life you got to look at it positively 
Yeah, true. You're spot on. Like you, you look back at what you did, but you can get caught up and consumed in that. And the other part too, like I talk about my daughter, um, without me going through what I did, I don't think I would have made the necessary changes to myself and then I wouldn't be the dad I am today. So yes, there's a lot of regret about what happened, but I think if you're willing to embrace it and change and, and make changes, and as we get older, that's harder to do, um, uh, I think you can take positives out of it as well. Yeah, especially I find for guys, just hard to open up to everyone. We're just not that, yeah, we're not open compared to girls and all that. No, we don't. We don't want to talk about it. We always just want to go, oh, yeah, she'll be right. I'm fine. Um, I had um, one guy I played in two premierships with, and one year, uh, Mick, he – would only come out of the house for footy training on Thursday night and the game on Saturday. He had anxiety that bad. He didn't work for six months and none of us knew. Not one of us knew through that whole time that he was spending virtually six days of the week inside his house because he had the anxiety that bad. Like, and it just shows us that we're so, we don't want to, we don't want to let our friends know that we're struggling mm. for whatever reason that is. I'm not sure, but um, you'd be quite surprised that your, your friends will stick by you when you're struggling. Yep. Um, the participation in the sport community, did it affect your gambling harm? Uh, yes, so that's sort of where I learned to gamble. And um, the binge drinking and binge gambling was just hand in hand on a Saturday night and a Sunday. So you just do that right through to going back to work Monday. It was just a – and again, at that time, I thought, oh, everyone does it, so it must be okay. Obviously, it's not, but at that time, you thought it was it. Um, what advice would you have for young people suffering from gambling addictions? Um, talk to someone about it. Um, and there's plenty of places where you probably don't have to talk about it. You can get on the Gamblers Help website. There's podcasts. There's opportunities to talk. And talk to your friends like and family. You'd be surprised how – I know we build it up that we don't want to tell our family or we don't want to tell our mates because we don't want to look like a fool to our, our friends and family. But um, – don't be afraid to talk to them. Be, and I look at that. I wasn't brave enough to talk to someone before my life fell apart. Um, I was, mine was reactive to fix it after that. So for every person that will actually ask for help before they hit rock bottom, kudos to them because that's an awesome mistake. Awesome. Um, yep. Do you feel like you had enough access to help when you suffered? No, probably not. But not back in the 90s, but I was pig-headed too. So you can't, I, I don't want to put everything on. Um, it's probably something that gambling, when only now just seeing it as a, a really addictive disorder rather than, oh, why don't you just stop when it was, when it was my, probably in the early 90s. Um, there is plenty of help out there. But for me, it, it's a, it's the old thing. Like I, you guys are probably too young to uh, watch Seinfeld. And you ever watched Seinfeld? No, I've never seen it. There's a part in, there's a part in Seinfeld where George Costanza says, it's not a lie if you believe it, Jerry. And that, that should be the gambler's motto because we tell so many lies to everybody that we end up believing them. That it's, it's okay to do that. So, mm. yeah, you like, until you're prepared to do, fix it yourself, yeah, you'll have trouble. Yeah. You also just stated that you hit rock bottom. Like, explain to us in the audience what that was, how you got there, what you felt like and all that. Well, I was working a, a good job, six-figure job, had a car, had a family with the stepson and a daughter. Two weeks later, I was sitting on my mum's couch with nothing, nothing in the bank, uh, bills for about 150000 not knowing who to turn to or who to uh, ask for help. Didn't want to ask for help because you were ashamed of what had happened. Um, yeah, so that was rock bottom. And family court as well when I didn't see my daughter. But but that stage, I had the supports around me to yeah. get me through that period. But yeah, that's when you're living a good what you think was a good life. 
Um, so yeah, that was pretty pretty low point in my life. Um, what helped you the most to get out of the situation? Good question. Um, a number of things, but probably friends. Putting faith in friends and family. That, yep, I'm. I know one of my friends said, um, uh, "You're not a bad person. You've just made some really poor decisions in the last ten years." Um, so that was sort of a bit of. Um, enthusiasm to get me on the right track and get me going again so. it's sort of like the little things you might do everything 100% right but that one thing you do wrong it just stands out forever in the rest of your life yeah it does but you can't for me when I was gambling I'd blame everyone else it was everyone else's problem it wasn't me yeah until you're willing to fix yourself like yeah I've made some really crap decisions and crap with my family with my friends with work um, and you have to rebuild that and you can only do that over time and doing the right thing. That's what I talk about, you know, one day will lead into two, into a week, into a month. You've got to be good when you've been that worst version of yourself for so long. Yep. Um, you've got some work to repair. Yeah, like for me, I personally believe, I don't know, maybe my co-stars will agree that when you really just agree to yourself that it's you are the problem, yep. then that's when you can start getting back on track. Yeah, people sort of say like you want to, is it, once you admit you've got a problem, you've got a chance to fix it. And I think that's part of it. Gamblers and I'm sure addictive personalities. So you could go and do everything right. You could go and listen to your friend. You know that there's an issue there, whether it's gambling or drinking or whatever. But if they don't want to actually hear what you're saying or want to fix it, they'll fob you off. They'll say, oh, that's fine. Hayden, it's no problem. I've got it under control. Don't don't you worry about it. Yeah. So it's got to be part of that person wanting to get yep. themselves back on track. So. so with the footy club and the cricket club, do you think that had more of an effect on you with gambling and drinking and stuff? Yeah, I, that's a good question. Um, I think it was just a bit of that error yep. of – you know, you're talking late 80s and 90s. And I'm sure yeah. you've watched footy and stuff. Yeah. It's a little bit different than to what it is now. Uh, it's probably just it's probably the group that I grew up with. That peer, like if I had a, my first lot of friends and people I looked up to were non-gamblers and stuff, maybe I had it would go down another path. But yep. again, it's a it's a what if. Back we're talking back in the 80s. That's the path I chose. They're the friends I chose. Yep. Um, yeah, just should have done better, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. You said that you had an issue with the AVO. What is that? Ah, good question again. So that was a, an issue. So I'm, uh, I, I'm not now, but I was a perennial pocket dollar. Um, and when my uh, my daughter's mother she put an AVO against me when things were getting a bit ugly, um, which meant I had no access to my daughter. And then I actually sat on my phone a couple of times when I was away for work, um, and it pocket dolled my ex-wife and then that became a breach of the AVO. So what that meant was that because I, I was in breach, I had to go to magistrate's court to defend my pocket dialing to my ex, which was a whole massive saga. And uh, I was talking about it just before. Um, but that's what happens. That's, and, and the problem is that they still see you as that person who is a liar, um, a really poor father, terrible husband, they still see you as that person. So anything that you say, and you might be absolutely telling 100% the truth, they have trouble believing that because of the person that you were. So, mm -hmm. And that's something that anyone who gets back on track and does the right thing, you're going to have to work with that and you're going to have to fight with that. So, yep. yeah. But that's just that's part of getting yourself back on track. Mm -hmm. Yep. Have your ex's wife ever like just lent, lent up on it a little bit, like been able to talk to you or not, not really anymore? 
nah, my daughter's mother, no, we still don't see eye to eye. We have a what we call a working relationship and my daughter's 15, so she sort of runs the relationship and she just tells us where we need to be and what we need to do to pick her up sort of thing. And I'm sure that a lot of parents will go through that at this stage. But no, look, a lot of, I've lost a lot of relationships over it and um, that's just something – at first that used to really upset me because I thought a lot of people – were my friends and I talk about acquaintances, but again, that's their choice and you can't change their mind. It's it's out of your control. You can only control what I can do and that's me not gambling, giving back, doing the right thing, being a good dad, being a good friend. Um, and if I can do that, well, I'll be still proud of myself and what I'm trying to achieve. So. Yeah, yeah. For everyone, if you're just tuning in today, you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. We're also live from Harvester Technical College. I'm here with myself, Aiden Laudia, another Aiden, Ryan, and Jackson, with our special guest, Dan, who has had lots of harm issues before gambling and all that. Thanks for having me, Aiden. What was the point? Did you realize like you were really just, yeah, not there and the problem? That I was the problem? Yeah. Uh, look at, yeah. Um, yeah, probably a good six months into the recovery. So I stopped gambling in Anzac Day 2012. And it probably took me six months for me to get away from uh, trying to find an easy fix mm. and actually saying, well, hang on, I think there's something. I need to work really, on really something. Wrong, I need yeah. to work on my personality. Um, I've got a few things that aren't quite right. I had to deal with a few things from my past that I hadn't with my dad and open up about that and actually talk about it because we yeah. don't like to talk about stuff that uh, upsets us or makes us look bad. Or um, So doing that as well was um, good conversations that I had. So, yeah, look, probably six months after I hit that rock bottom that I thought, well, hang on. And then I think I could see some changes in my behaviour and I got a bit of feedback from friends to saying, hey, you're doing really well, keep it going, like you've come this far. You know, so little things like that, when you're getting some encouragement from people you respect and you love, mm. you know, I think that goes a long way too, to yeah. keep you on the right track. Was your own family like your dad? Were they all supportive in helping you or not really? Um, well, I don't have a relationship with my dad and he passed away uh, three years ago, which is, yeah, I sort of regret that in a way. That he you missed out on something in yeah, your life. Yeah, I think. Uh, but my mum and my sister were just unbelievable through that time. Were, yeah. You know, gave me money to on a loan, I had to pay it back, mind you, which is all good. Um, but, yeah, they they went ab- above and beyond what I could I'll probably never be able to repay them for it. Yeah, and that's also good, like, just to have, always have people by your side, especially ones you trust, like family. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we, when we are struggling, we don't put enough faith in our friends and family to say, well, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, and that might be work or it might be homework or you might be struggling to get to footy chart, whatever it is. Yeah. We all have different stresses, um, but when we talk about it and we open up to our friends and family, you'll find you'll be able to deal with uh, hardship a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <coughs> what emotions did you experience after your gambling addiction? Uh, from when I stopped, pretty much everything you could come up with, I reckon. Uh, yeah, sadness, anger. Uh, forgiveness in the end, forgiving myself because that was probably a big thing. I um, had a lot of issues that uh, this was all my fault once I got past that sort of recovery stage. So, yeah, and then family court, so many just, yeah. I think if you go through an addiction and a recovery process, you'll deal with them at all at some stage for sure. Yeah, so like with that anger, is that like anger at yourself or is that anger with others? No, 
at first probably anger with others. Yeah. Because I said, you know, how you it's not your fault. It's you know the jockey's fault or the footy team for not kicking five goals in the last quarter, whatever it might be. You mm. blame everyone else. Yeah. But then once I realised that it was actually me, um, anger at myself yeah. of the money I lost, the person I'd become. How I'd let friends down who went through. I had a good, really good mate go through cancer, and I wasn't there for him at all during that time. Um, so things like that. But again, you just have to say yourself, well, you can't. I can't fix that. I can't go back yeah. four years and be at the hospital for you. Yeah. But I can. There's been a couple of moments now where he lives at Shepparton, and I've driven to Shepparton to help him out for a couple of hours, and he was amazed by that. But to me, that was all. As much as it was for him, it was for me as well. Yeah. Like we're saying, yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think you can forgive yourself on the past choices that you've made? I can now. Yes. Ten years or just over eleven years since I've had a bet. Um yeah, I I think I'm by going through that, I'm a much better person, a more understanding person of people struggling. And I know for sure that I'm a better dad for it. So, yep. Have you ever had like mates and all that just try to get you to even just gamble even a dollar on something or not really anymore? No. They know to stay away from it now. No, we had, a, we had a golf trip that we used to go on all the time. We still do. We actually just had our golf trip last week. So 13 years we've been going. So it's right through my recovery. And in the early years, it was all around gambling. So we would uh, play cards on Thursday nights. We'd do golf early so we could bet on the races all and so obviously all that had to change. So in the years since, we've gone downhill on the bikes, we've climbed, gone abseiling, we've gone ballooning, we've done speedboats, we've just <laughs> done all these things that we wouldn't have experienced otherwise. Yeah. But we do talk about it. So we had two new guys come a couple of years ago and one of the guys is who he's one of those five that I said about earlier that I um, confessed in very early on. Um, we gave out the shirts. We said who's playing, who, what we're doing. And he said, oh, well, normally we'd be playing cards now, but Dan's wrecked it for everybody. <laughs> like, and then people were like, oh, how did you say that? But it was just actually making light of, which is a good thing because we don't talk about it. Yeah. And it was actually a good thing. Like that, the two new guys were like, oh, what are you talking about? But all the other guys who'd been through it with me yeah. laughed. We had a joke about it. We moved on. So, with yeah. those five people here, sure. Talk, talk about that for a second, if you don't mind. Um, so I was, one of the bits of advice I was given to uh, tell my best five mates the whole story. So exactly what I'd done, which they had no idea. Uh, a couple knew that there was something going on. That it didn't know what didn't exactly. Know what it was, you know, uh, which I didn't want to do. <clears throat> I definitely didn't want to go and tell my best mates what the person I'd become and what yeah. I'd done to my family and work and... Um, so I told one a day and it was the best thing, probably one of the best things of the recovery that I did because my relationship with those five guys now is, yeah, amazing. It's We've like done, brothers sort of thing. Yeah, it has. Definitely brought us close together. A couple of them have struggled. Uh, one of their, my mate's brothers has had a gambling problem. So uh, not that I've done it directly, but got him into gambler's help and through the uh, peer connection program, he's talking to someone else. So little things like that. Um, yeah, definitely closer. Definitely have a much better relationship. Yeah, just a state for the audience. What were some of the gambling, like websites and all that, and helplines that you used? Uh, so the first one for me was uh, Gamblers Anonymous, and then on the Gamblers Help website, uh, Peer Connection. Um, I just wanted to hear about someone else beating the problem, which was really important to me. Yeah. Um, and then from there, getting involved and. Uh, becoming a Peer Connect volunteer myself, so speaking to others, that was part of my recovery. Um, and a lot of that 
is just being a really um, at first I was really bad about having uncomfortable silences when you're talking but you just have to be a really good listener more than anything so if someone's coming to you as a problem and they're stressed about it sometimes you're better off just shutting up and just listening being a good yeah. listener so all those things definitely helped along the way so with um, you seeing someone else get through gambling how did that make you feel knowing that you'd be able to do it yeah, that was really important to know that um, someone had been in a very similar situation to me. Um, probably at the time, I questioned how long it took them because I wanted to fix it. You know, I was spoken about, I want to fix it tomorrow. I want to get back with my wife and family. And um, it's a um, one bit of advice I got from someone else. It's a long journey. If yeah. you're trying to change a habit that you've had for you know, 35 years, it's a long journey. You're not just going to be able to do that overnight. You've got to make some serious changes. And I'm sure we've all got habits, not for you guys, but you've probably got a habit that you've got for 10 years. It might be yeah. how you go home and what you eat at home. And then you'll say, oh, well, you can't do that now. Yeah. You're not doing that anymore. So you've got yeah. to find a new routine when you get home. It's hard to do. It's hard to change. We become creatures of habit and we like what we like. And when you even just your bedtime routine or what you watch on TV, if I said, yeah, you can't watch that anymore, you've got to do something else. Yeah. It's probably a poor choice because you've got like 75 channels and streaming services that yeah. you can do. But um, yeah, it's just about changing and, and mate, being able to change. Yeah. Um, do you think there's enough services and help that people can get now? A lot more now, yeah. I, I think there is. Um, and it's still just getting that out there and talking about it. Like I did a talk um, a couple of weeks ago and they didn't know any of the services that were available. And it wasn't students, like I don't expect you guys to know. And But sometimes I think with you guys and your access to the internet, you are better equipped to find that sort of stuff than some of the older people are. Mm. Um, so I think we can still get the word out there and get it uh, promoted better, I think. But it's definitely improving. It's improving all the time and hence our podcast today. Yeah, just again, like for us, it's so much more accessible now. We can go just get our phones out, search them up, and it comes up straight away compared to all the 80s and 90s and that where it's probably all in magazines, newspaper. Book an appointment through your doctor, go to an appointment. Um, I know the first Gambler's Help Council I went to see just had no connection whatsoever. So I told my my girlfriend at the time, yep, now I'm fixed, I'm all done. So a one-hour session fixed my gambling problem. That's yeah. bad, that one. Which, again, that was just a lie which contributed Absolutely. to everything and just yeah. made it probably worse in the end. Absolutely. Because I just never, I just went and fobbed it off and thought, oh, I don't need that. Yeah. So that was just one of many lies that I was told. Yeah, yeah, just that. Then ads keep adding, like adding on together and then yep. it just eventually gets to the end where they don't want any part of it anymore and just destroys your life and theirs. Yep. Spot on. So yeah. um, while you were going through gambling, what job were you doing and why they fired you? Okay, so I, uh, I grew up uh, in a dairy factory. So yeah. I did uh, food science as my study yeah. career, if you like. And then uh, got out of, because uh, I was actually managing people when I had it in my early 30s, had a bit of a short fuse. But looking back, potentially that was because of my gambling. Yeah. And uh, got out into a different role um, in similar to what I'm doing now. So that's account management with chemicals and, and food production. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a pay rise to come down to a new job, which I told you before was yeah. all about more money to gamble. And I got the, so at first I'd say, people would say, oh, did you take money from the place? No, I didn't. But in a way I did because I was taking a wage. Yeah. I wasn't doing my job. Yeah. And that's why I got sacked because um, – even back in those days, they tracked where my phone was and where I was making calls. 
Um, and I was saying I was somewhere else and that's why I got the sack. So, yeah. so in a way, because I was taken away, so I did take money from him. So yeah. in a way that too, as much as I was shattered and I lost my car and home and everything, it definitely pushed my recovery along because I had to yeah, get going. Yep. Does that go and like your permanent record? It's when you're looking for a job, that all comes up and then like if they really listen to you like now, like yep. it's completely different to what you were and what you are now. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It just means I just got sacked. Um, if people ask me, like early on, I would never have said, if you ask me now, I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah. Um, my employer now, George Western Foods, I work for JSOL. I've been there 11 years. We actually have in George Western Foods, thing they have four days a year of volunteering. So you can volunteer wherever you like. So my volunteering is days with you guys and doing that with my family, which they're 100% behind. So I've even done a talk and told my story within the business and and they're all on board with that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I suppose people like at your work, they'll even have boundaries. I don't know if you have boundaries, but it just depends what you want to talk to them. Like even they know if they have a problem, they can probably come to you about it and talk to you. Yeah, I've had a couple of people with completely non nothing to do with gambling and I didn't think I knew them that well but came to me with a real crisis in their life and I, and I don't know whether that is whether it's because I've opened up that they think they can come to me which is absolutely fine but yeah I would have thought I would probably want to be one of the last people but they uh, it's it's good like any, I just think anything that's really uh, affecting who you are if you can discuss that problem with someone and and start on the way of uh, getting a fixed or recovering, I think that's a good thing no matter what who you talk to. Yeah, I would like to believe as a gambler, you probably think you're alone in that situation, but <laughs> when you start to really listen to other people, you realize how like, there's like millions of other people around the world, even probably just right next to you that are probably going through the same problems right now. Yeah, like we're the, the thing that we and the figures that you see, um, we're the worst punters by double of anyone else. Mm. So if you just think that per capita, we're the worst gamblers in the world. Double, and that's Singapore are the next. So America is about number five. We are so, and we talk about it. It's the Aussie way, or is it Bluebet's advertisement now that it's the Aussie way to bet? You know, we we love a bet, and we're the worst at it. Why do we love it so much? Like, yeah. We're terrible at it. We lose more money than anyone. Yeah, we're so bad at it. But considering to like, and comparing to other places in the world, we're so small as well. Correct. Like, like the feather per head, it's just unreal that we do it. But we. We accept it as part of our culture, but that's normal. And, yeah. and that's the same for me. Even though there wasn't the access it was, I just thought it was normal. What I was doing was okay. The group of friends, they all did it, so I should do it. Um, you can normalise it pretty easy. Yeah, as he just said, it's part of our culture. We're Australian, and that's the fact. We all love footy. So, And part of footy is gambling in Australia. That's Absolutely. the thing. And that's where they're probably oh, – like, I'd like to hope, and that's something I'm really happy about, uh, the ad advertising that needs to change it's like that's sort of one thing I'm really passionate about that if we can like we did it with smoking so we need to do it with gambling so we went to a game my daughter so she calls this my second job my volunteering job um, and she counted how many ads from betting agency from leaving Ballarat driving to Sunshine catching the train watching the game and getting home 132 ads for the day yeah it's crazy isn't it's it that's just going to a game of footy like it's just nuts like but until people aren't, they don't want to accept the money. Um, and there's a few things going on in the backgrounds now that it'll blow up soon. But um, why there's so much sponsorship, it's really hard for the big, the AFL, the NRL and these places of the world and like clubs that actually take it straight from it, like Manly, Centibet, 
until we don't take that money, it's going to be hard for it to change. Um, so with the gambling ads, do you feel like there's too much of showing like they want people to gamble or do you feel like there's not enough warnings? Uh, just too much like advertising. There's just no need for as much as we have. Like um, I think it should be banned from the games. Like if it comes on, you know, like every other ad, just think about if you were watching – like a footy game or the races or something. It's just bang, bang, one after another, one after another. And, yeah, it's just way too much. It's just saturation to get people. And then to get people back, like whether people have been punters and they're coming back or young guys like yourself, get, you're trying to get lure you in with free bets and say, oh, put $10 in, we'll give you a $100 free bet and these sorts of things. It's Yeah, yeah it's pretty uh, pretty dodgy. Mm, so what are your thoughts on like, you know, how like you have the sports bet ads and stuff like yep. the the stuff after it saying you you lose more than you win and stuff. What are your thoughts on those? I think they're great. And the, the last one I think is good to understand like we are the worst punters in the world. So it's a way of acknowledging that I suppose that you you uh, you are going to lose eventually you're going to lose. Yeah. Like when on a poker machine, it only gives back 82% of the money that goes in. So how can you possibly win? Yeah. Unless you're a person that puts in $100 and has a freaky win and then never goes again for three years. Yeah. So we're built to to lose money. So, um, yeah, I think all those things help. But when you watch an ad, I'll ask you, like if you watch one of those sports ads, like the bet with your mates and stuff, yeah. do you remember the what the ad was about or do you remember the last little thing at the back? And then, no, you remember what the ad's about. Yeah. You do. And that's <clears throat> same for me. Yeah. I don't know. Madison's talked about it as well, my daughter. So that's all. We need to stop the ads, something. Yeah. Yeah, like I heard your daughter, Madison, she was moving up to Ballarat with you. Is that correct? And she's, is, she's helping with off. helping with everything with you? Yeah, look, she, she she understands it all now. She asks more questions as she gets older. And, um, yeah, now she's gone footy mad, so that's good for me. <laughs> um, actually getting back to uh, being involved in a footy club just for the – fun of being involved in a footy club um i've seen more hawthorne games in the last year than i have for years and years um so yeah now it's all all good and on track um she'll have to get some bigger coats and beanies and stuff if she's coming to ballarat but uh, yeah i suppose it's like because you have your daughter with you there it just helps you along the way not to gamble as you when you're a loner with mates you just want to gamble you want to have a party you're young you want to do that but then you have kids and you realize oh hot up i can't be doing this anymore yeah, no, I didn't for a while, and that's probably one of my regrets. Like, it took me till Madison was, what, two and a half, three, and my stepson was seven um, before I stopped. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. It just keeps you on track, I suppose, if you like. You, you've got family and friends, and you don't want to let them down, especially the ones that helped me when I was at my lowest. Uh, not so much for my friends, but just emotional support. Mm. If I had to go back to them and uh, say next week and say I'm gambling again, well, I don't think I'd get the same support as I yep. got 10 years ago. So I sort of owe it to them to live my best life moving yeah. forward. Yeah, you just got to really look help, look out for people, help them, to the audience, everyone, everyone who's listening. There's always people around you want to help. If it, you're in school, it could be a teacher, it could be a mate, it could be a grandparents even. They've probably done it in their life some point. Just reach out. You're not going to get hurt doing anything. What's it going to do? Someone might don't know what to talk about. They might have a moment of silence, but it's a life sometimes. Some people just don't know, and then, yeah, yeah it just look, gets worse. You just have to say that you've noticed. Like you, if you notice someone who's changed their behaviour or they haven't come to a party that you're all going to and they haven't, or whatever it might be, if you've noticed a change, just tell them that you've noticed that change. Say, hey, I'm, I know, I've noticed you're not yourself. I know you haven't been yourself. 
Mm. And whether that is exactly how you said, Aaron, there's a teacher or friends or family, just tell them that you've noticed that you're not yourself. And if you want to talk about it, I'm here. Yeah, just pull them to the side if you're a party or something. Even yep. message them later. Hey, man, I think this, you look a bit weird. I feel a bit yep. weird. What's going on? Talk to me. Just you need anything, just message. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's just got to have people there by your side the whole time. That's the most important thing for me that I believe. Yep. No, definitely. And then you'll be very surprised if you do uh, confide in one of your friends or close mates or family. You'll be really surprised how supportive they are. Yeah, yep. just got to reach out. That's the most important thing. That's all of our time for today. Thank you for our guests and everyone who's listening. Thank you, Dan, for joining us on here. You've been wonderful. Thanks for Thank you me. to my co-stars, Aiden, Jackson, and Ryan. Thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Cheers. Check it out, y'all. How did life get so hard? All you want to do is go back to the start and take another shot to avoid this mess. You live a new way where there ain't no stress. Well... <laughs>